0: purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts. So, you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger,
0: for the ones who get it done. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to XYZ, the CNC podcast. I am your handsome host, Aaron Goff, and I'm joined here by our fearless leader, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. How are you, mate?
0: I'm good. I'm, we need to work this out. Are we XYZ or XYZ? Oh,
1: Depends one of my friends what... chirped me pretty hard for saying Z.
0: <laughs> Depends what continent we're in, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm just very cold. It's gone freezing almost overnight here. Um, not, you know, not Canada cold like you, but, um, <laughs> for me, it's very, very cold here.
1: Is your house well insulated or is it freezing?
0: It's freezing. It's, yeah. it's like super old. My house is 600 right. years old. It's, oh, it's yeah, it is literally freezing. Um, I think so that's there's... the big,
1: the big difference between Canada and everywhere else. Like in Australia, it gets, you know, at my parents' house, it gets down to a couple of degrees and it's freezing. And here mm. it's, you know, everyone has the heat blasting. It's, it's like 40 degrees inside when it's, Yeah. You know.
0: You're prepared for it, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been a week since our first episode, and that's flown by. Absolutely flown by. Yes, it has. Jesus. Yeah. And we've had some good reports from people. So we've had Uh lots of messages from people on Instagram saying how much they enjoy the show, how much they're looking forward to the next shows. Um, We have actually had a review as well. So we are now on basically all the platforms. So Spotify... Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so on. But we've had our first review, which is great.
1: Yeah, hopefully they didn't talk shit about us too much.
0: Well, no, it's all okay. good. It's all good. Um so this was from um somebody called Karate T. Karate T shirt, I think he calls himself. Um and he just said, Yeah, great, we need to we need to hear more. So that that that's you know, that's positive. That's encouraging, I suppose.
1: Well, just from the name I know who that guy is. So he yeah. might be a bit biased. <laughs>
0: Oh, okay. Is it you by any chance?
1: No, it's it's Mike. I know, ah, I know who that okay. is.
0: That's
1: an inside joke.
0: God, well, he enjoys it anyway, so that's good news. He better. Good news.
1: <laughs> well, I thought we could start out the week with some inspiring engineering stuff. Sure. You know, yeah. there's, there's always amazing things going on in the world, and all of this stuff is only made possible with CNC, so, you know.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, what have you seen? Have you seen anything special this week?
1: Well, the first one doesn't sound inspiring until you get into it. It sounds horrifying, but uh, I'm not sure if you follow Formula One at all.
0: I in and out, and I know there was some there was some terrible crash on the weekend with a, with a big fireball and all. There the rest was, of
1: it, yeah. So, you know. so it's CNC related because it's actually the Haas F1 team that this happened oh. to. It was uh, one of their drivers, Roman Grosjean, um, went into a steel barrier at 220 kilometers an hour. Jeez. um, and the chassis of his car experienced a 53g deceleration when it hit <sighs> the wall and the barrier that he hit actually failed so he got squeezed through the barrier at 200 kilometers an hour um, and he walked away from it
0: that, I, that just goes to show you know that the safety involved in you know in the building of these cars and so on but yeah my and God, that sort the, of speed
1: the engineering involved in this is just insane you know he, yeah. he's very lucky as well but like Oh my god! When I saw the the, the video, I was, I was like, "Oh, there's zero percent chance that he survived that. Zero hmm. percent."
0: Wow! And, 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 and those, he little got cabins, out. those little cabins, those little cabins they're in the cockpit. Draw that. There's literally no room at all, is there? There's no, you know, no. There's no wiggle room there at all. If if they hit something, there's there's nothing going to be sort of sucked. The impact isn't going to be sucked up by anything else, I suppose. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, the chassis around them is actually designed to kind of explode and, and dissipate energy. Um, and then mm-hmm. there's like a survival tub that's just around the driver itself. But, but yeah, yeah, like it, it's amazing. Like in a road car, that would have been definitely
0: hmm.
1: the end. So yes.
0: <laughs> just the end.
1: The end, <laughs> yes. So that's, yeah. it's just amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing to me to see something like that happen and, yeah. and for him to be fine yeah i uh, haven't actually
0: seen the video i only saw um still images that you know from the the, the news putting out the right. still images and so on but yeah it looked horrific
1: yes it, it looks even worse in the video Oof. but you can watch it and and you'll you'll be okay because you know he's fine i hate yeah, i hate watching that, videos where you where it ends and you're like oh my god is that person okay
0: there's this jeopardy yeah yeah no. but
1: in this case you're like oh okay i i he's he's okay so you can kind of watch it and appreciate the drama it's it's insane yeah
0: yeah how would you get back into another car you know after that you know it's not I, the whole thing getting back on the horse but, you know. i wouldn't
1: i honestly craig like i have to admit i don't think i could after after being in something like that i don't think i could i i don't mm-hmm. know how he's going to i hope he does but like yeah, yeah. so terrifying
0: so there obviously be a big investigation as to what failed but is there any idea at the moment of, of what happened
1: uh unfortunately it was driver error um mm-hmm. Yeah, he he darted across the track to try and get the inside line and didn't realise that there was another car behind him in his blind spot. And so he clipped them and then that put him off his line and he just went straight into the wall. Oh jeez. Um so yeah, I mean they might they might look at um at the visibility out of the cars. Because you can't mm. you know, like he obviously couldn't see the car that was in his blind spot, so they need mm. to do something about that, most likely. Wow. But. Crazy times. Yeah, and then uh, the other exciting thing that's coming up is that um, SpaceX are going to be doing the first proper test flight of their Starship uh, on Wednesday, I believe.
0: Wow, the day this show comes out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm. So that's going to be amazing. I mean, they, they say there's about a 30% chance that it's just going to um, spectacularly blow up. <laughs> Rapid un Ascent- <laughs> So what do they call it? Rapid unscheduled disassembly. boom yeah but uh that'll be very exciting to see that
0: yeah and i love the fact that they're showing everything that they do as well you know so you know they'll they'll have the live streams and all the rest of it but uh crazy times again
1: yeah and the early versions of the engines that are in that um rocket were about 40 percent by mass 3d printed
0: wow not not in PLA I, PLA <laughs> bit of bit of ABS <laughs>
1: yeah aerospace grade and ABS you
0: know <laughs> yeah so they're printed directly with with metal molten metal I assume
1: yes i i believe it was um uh like laser powder like powder bed laser so they're basically using mm. like a metal powder and then using a, a laser to fuse the the metal powder together right i yeah. believe there there are some parts of their process that they don't really show too much.
0: Yeah. Wowzers. 3D yeah. printed rockets.
1: Yeah. Amazing, right?
0: Welcome to the future. Right. Uh, so we, we've had a few sort of, well, I wouldn't say questions, but a few topics that people would like us to talk about. Um, so we don't know who our audience is yet. This will develop into something, but I, I can imagine that we've got a bunch of hobbyists listening um, we probably have a bunch of knife makers as well who are, you know, taking their first steps into CNC or or experts in CNC, just laughing at the rubbish that I say, quite possibly. <laughs> um, but I, I thought we could talk about maybe roots into into CNCing. Uh, yeah, for, absolutely. For maybe maybe for hobbyists and what options are out there. Because there's loads, there's lots of options. And if you don't know what you're looking for, you know, what's the best bang for your buck, I suppose.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and honestly, this is going to be an area where you probably are more up-to-date than I am.
0: Really? Well, I I doubt it very much. I mean, I've I've been looking for the last maybe month for um, a way to cut out handle materials, which we did talk about last week. Um, And, you know, budget-wise, I'm really constrained to more of a CNC router as opposed to, you know, a big mill. Right. Um so no no cutting steel and this would literally just be for for G tens. Um and there's a bunch out there. I mean there's a bunch of things made especially for sort of furniture makers and carpenters, that kind of thing, that'll cut, you know, big MDF sheets, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um of these CNC routers and they generally come in kits and you can build the rails as long as you want them and that kind of thing quite inexpensive and a lot of them you can you can swap out the the spindle to just use like a a normal router like a Dewalt router yeah and that actually Um,
1: works very well i have so i have owned a a machine that had a dewalt uh dwp 611 as a as the spindle and that was pretty pretty good
0: actually yeah well the the machine that i ordered last week um it does come with the it comes with a really underpowered spindle i think yeah
1: that little 400 watt air cooled one yeah which yeah. is
0: pretty bad but this does come with an adapter so you can fit that that, that same dual router mm. in instead and i think they're 1500 watt i think the, the these are um that's certainly the european spec anyway right um so that will be something that i'll be doing and i'm pretty sure that'll work fine for you know for small slabs of g10 that i'll be using so
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll be fine. It definitely much. I was gonna talk shit to you the last week about the spindle <laughs> when I looked up a, f- a photo of that the machine you bought. So I'm glad you're uh, replacing it with the the router.
0: Yes, yeah. I I think that spindle would be okay for sort of engraving soft woods that kind of thing. But you know, nothing that I'd be doing. So yeah, that that's yeah. the first thing to upgrade on that, really.
1: Yeah. But- so in terms of spindles, though, you might want to look at um. Uh, Makita have a router that's very similar in size with a wider RPM range. So one of the issues that you'll have is just trying to get the RPM low enough in order to uh, achieve a decent chip load. So if you're, if you're taking too small of a chip load, you're going to burn out your, your tools really quick. So particularly in G10. So basically the chip load is how much material the end mill is cutting away each time it turns.
0: Right, okay, per revolution.
1: Yes, and for G10, because it's a very abrasive material, if you're just kind of spinning a lot without removing much material, then the G10 has lots of opportunities to wear away your end mill.
0: Right, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. so basically the the first symptom of that will be that it destroys the edge, Um. so you'll start getting worse, worse finishes. So the DeWalt router, the DWP611, I believe it goes down to 16,000 RPM. Whereas the Makita version goes down to ten thousand.
0: Oh right, okay, so that's quite a big change. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and they both are actually really cool in that they have um, like electronic speed control. So they, when you load the the spindle up, like so when you start taking a cut, it mm. senses that it's, you know, something's working to slow it down, and actually pumps in more power to keep the speed consistent. Got you. Yeah. Which is super important for for a little CNC machine. So yeah, yeah, you might want to look at that. It's a really good
0: option. Will do, will do. I I knew I I've got a pen with me and a pad here. I knew I'd be taking notes immediately. So <laughs> thank you for that.
1: <laughs> oh, I I go into black holes with this stuff. You know, I look at I look at something and then four hours later it's
0: two a.m. Yeah. and <laughs> so, so I mean we mentioned last week you're using um your your main mill uh, which which I know you you're running two now as well. Aren't you? We can talk yeah, about that in just a sec. Um, but so you're cutting G10 on that as well as yes. as your steel what um bits are you using or, or cut tools are you using rather for, for g 10
1: good question yeah so for the most part i actually use a variety of tools g10 isn't especially sensitive to tooling from what i've seen so you'd be fine with like a two flute carbide end mill or a ball mill um you know whether it's uh, like steel optimized or aluminum optimized isn't going to make a huge difference from what i've mm. seen um okay. My general tooling is I use, um, coated four flute, uh, solid carbide ball end mills. Um, and they come from uh, the company that makes all my tooling, which is marital and they're fantastic. Um, and then for my finishing, I'm actually using diamond tooling. Right. Okay. Um, so probably not something I would recommend for a small router. Um, because so basically with a diamond tooling you can only get them with straight flutes, which means that they kind of bang in and out of the cut rather than with it with a spiral flute the the cutting happens more gradually, mm. um so the the load on the spindle is more constant and you don't get this like banging in and out of the cut whereas yeah. with a straight flute tool like the diamond tool it really is kind of like smashing into the G10 and scraping it off rather Got than you. like. Yeah know cutting it away um but the advantage is that the diamond doesn't get worn down by the the glass fibers in the g10 so it leaves a really nice finish and you always get um the same the parts that are the same size
0: right okay yeah there's no abrasion to the tool so there's not right gotcha.
1: yeah no size change but the, the cost is pretty astronomical like um marital introduced those tools for me um like at my request, which is amazing. Thanks, thanks Frank, for that. Um, but yeah, they're like 250 bucks US each.
0: Wow, okay. We will actually put um, links to Maritool and anything else that we're talking about down in the show notes. So if you're listening, um, you don't have to be like me and have a pen and <laughs> make notes of everything. We put all down in the show notes and you'll find that at network, where the show is. All yeah. those notes and links will be there.
1: That'd be great. And yeah, it probably sounds like I'm shilling for them, but they don't, they don't uh, give me any money. They just... They just look after me really, really well.
0: Yeah, you know, but, so but I think any time you find something that's uh, of value, um, yeah, I'm more than happy to give shout-outs, that kind of thing. It it makes perfect sense.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, like, does that, I mean, for you, you might be better off trying to find, like, a single flute end mills of some kind because, you know, you don't have the ability to drop the RPM down low enough to really use, like, a four flute.
0: Yes, yeah. Yeah, Um, I hadn't given that much thought about the, yeah, the, maybe the DeWalt having too many RPMs and that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. So when I had my little router with the DeWalt spindle, that, that was definitely a real problem. I pretty much always be running it at the minimum RPM. And, you know, even that was usually too much.
0: Yeah. How are, again, I'm just drilling you with questions. question. That's fine. How are you holding down your G10? Do you have a fixture which you hold down with, or have you got like a vacuum bed or anything like that at all?
1: Um, yeah, I have a special fixture. So basically it's done in two operations. The first operation, I'm actually machining the underside of a piece of G10. Um, and so what I do is I drill four holes, and then I come in with a thread mill and actually cut threads inside those holes. Oh. And then... I flip it over and I can actually bolt. Uh, I have a, like a removable pallet that's part of my my second fixture. And I can actually bolt through the bottom of the pallet into the G10. So it's each handle scale. So the the G10 that I'm cutting up gets cut into two handle scales. And each handle scale is held down by two bolts.
0: Right. So you don't need any tabs or anything at all. That's exactly. The handle itself, not just the waste.
1: Yeah. So it that's... means I'm able to machine every surface and all the critical dimensions in one... In that second setup all in one go um you
0: clever bastard
1: yeah it's it that's <laughs> like the one thing in my fixturing that i haven't changed it, it's mm. just worked which is fantastic
0: nice nice yeah so we were yeah we were talking about introductions i suppose uh, machines for uh people getting into cnc um and, I, and i've done a quick look online to see the kind of stuff um a quick there's lots look of... you've
1: been looking for weeks you you I been... have been
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have been for myself really. yeah, yeah exactly yeah um but there's lots of sort of generic machines out there which i think chinese factories are buying um they're slapping their own sort of badges on them yeah. maybe giving them a paint job and and listing it as their own um they all look very very similar um right. but aside from that i said there's there's lots made up there i suppose for woodworkers such as uh, the shape oco um the, the stepcraft machines um and
1: yeah, and one you don't have listed that I actually is something I would recommend is the probiotics machines.
0: Right. Okay. Um,
1: so one of my friends who's a guitar maker just bought one of those and he's been really happy. Um, and one of my earlier machines was an earlier version of one of their machines, and you know it was it was a bit janky because of the the time that it came out. Um, right. Yeah. When things were more expensive for CNC, but it was still very good. It lasted many many years. In fact, it's still going. It's, it's yeah. been through four four owners at this point and It's still going.
0: Well, oh, nice, nice. So, with regards to specs, I mean, mm-hmm. it, this is difficult because we don't know what our listeners are making. But let's say um, they're doing let's let's say they're doing knives, because I'm sure most a lot of our listeners will be, right? And they want to shape the likes of G10 or um, maybe they've got big slabs of wood as well that they like that they'd like to. They'd like to um, to mill down. Mm-hmm. What would spec-wise? What sort of spindle minimum wattage would you would you say you should be looking at?
1: Oh, it's a little bit of a hard question to answer because it really depends on what your your tolerance for frustration is.
0: Ah, oh, right. Okay. Um,
1: yeah. You know, because ultimately you can you can do good work with with almost anything. It's just mm-hmm. going to be a lot more frustrating with one of those little tiny four hundred watt spindles. Um, you know, like the one that's that's the default on on the new machine you bought. Yes. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean I would just say like make sure you try to get something that has an ER collet if you can. So that's one of the the failings of like the DeWalt and the Makita routers that it's a little bit hard to get collets for them for different mm. sizes of tools. Um and that kind of restricts your flexibility a little bit. Um but yeah, you know 400 watts and up. Definitely don't go smaller than that and even at 400 watts you're going to have to be taking pretty small cuts.
0: Yeah, light passes on that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, something else which I I've been sort tr- of trying to delve into is lead screws or ball screws. Mm. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that ball screws are the way to go, but you're looking some forums and some are saying, "No, oh, lead screws." And you do you think? What are the differences and what are the pros and cons? Do you think of each?
1: So the main difference is a lead screw is basically like a bolt and a nut. There's, there's really nothing special about it apart from the thread shape. Um, so they use what's called like a buttress thread, which means that it's more, more square um, rather than triangular. Um, whereas a ball screw uh, uses a rolling ball bearing as the interface between the nut and the bolt. So both the nut and the bolt have grooves in them, and then in those grooves there are ball bearings that roll and lock the nut and the bolt together. The, mm. the screw and the, and the nut. Um, so the, the biggest difference is efficiency. Um, with, with a lead screw, you're only getting about 50% efficiency. So all of the power that your stepper motor or your servo motor can put out, only about 50% of that is translated into movement. And the rest is basically translated into friction and heat. Um, whereas with a ball screw, the efficiency is like above 90%. 90 right. to 95 okay um but ball screws are more fussy you have to be nicer to them um you know they have much tighter tolerances they have lots of moving parts so if you fill them with dust then they'll you know potentially lock up um or wear prematurely whereas lead screws um particularly if they have like a self-adjusting nut so they there are lots of lead screws these days that have like spring-loaded nuts that kind of clamp more onto the lead screw as they wear out yeah. which means you can be pretty nasty to them and they'll they'll keep working until they don't. Um, and they're relatively cheap to replace. So the biggest difference in terms of performance is going to be uh, like your, your maximum acceleration and your maximum cutting speeds. Both of those will be better with a ball screw because of the higher efficiency. Um, and then, yeah, there's the cost to consider. Lead screws are significantly less expensive than ball screws.
0: Hmm. And from what I can gather, there's likelihood of more backlash with a, a lead screw as opposed to a ball screw as well because you've got that list of slight like wiggle room i suppose
1: um it kind of depends actually if you're using anti-backlash nuts so the ones they're they're basically they have like a spring-loaded um kind of clamp mechanism that yes, f- forces yes. the, the the nut further into the threads of the lead screw as it wears then those are actually effectively zero backlash and and will be for their their, their lifetime um Whereas ball screws are kind of interesting, like the only way to eliminate backlash um, in a ball screw is actually to make the balls very slightly larger than the grooves. So you end up kind of eliminating any any slop. But most of the inexpensive ball screws are not preloaded like that. So... But, but it kind of also kind of depends on what your definition of backlash is. You know, for, for hobby guys, anything under a thousandth of an inch, it might be totally fine. And, and cheap ball screws are totally, um, you know, in that realm. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, whereas for me, a thousandth of an inch would be like a really big problem on one of my machines. <laughs> Disaster. <laughs> yes. That, that would be like me rebuilding a machine at that point. Wow. Um, so yeah, it, it it just it depends a bit for sure. Like there's there's no oh this is the right answer. I would tend toward ball screws personally, um, but they're definitely more complicated to to keep alive in a small machine.
0: Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, I think if we if we go back to this each week, I think <laughs> we we'd be basically building the perfect machine. If we can take we we can take little bits by little bit each week. We'll we'll end up with with what should be a perfect machine.
1: Sounds pretty Um, good to me. Yeah. And and, 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 I mean, so much of that stuff is just dictated by budget too. Oh yeah, certainly. Yeah. If you're fine with with 60 inches a minute feed rate, um, you know, and it's your first CNC machine and you want something that you're not going to have to think about too much, then absolutely go for lead screws. Um, But beyond that, ball screws are probably the best option.
0: Gotcha. Got gotcha. you. So, so whilst looking um, for myself and, and to answer this question about, mm-hmm. you know, beginner machines out there, I've come across some, some pretty weird machines as well. <laughs> awesome. Have, have you seen that um, Shaper Origin like handheld? Oh, CNC yes. Words? Yes, I
1: have. Yeah, you have to put like barcodes on your bit of wood and then...
0: How weird is that?
1: I think they're super cool. I, I don't know how practical they are, but I think they're a really cool idea.
0: Yeah, uh yeah, I'm not quite I'm not quite sure. So it's, yeah, so, so those who haven't seen it's it's like it's like a handheld router, like a wood router that you you'd hold in the hand. Um but what I can assume the the spindle has like a head on it which which has a bit of travel and play on there. Yeah. Um so you have a screen at the top and as long as you sit within this sort of channel the head will move to keep things uh I don't know, I don't know how accurate they are. Um but uh, you know as accurate as, as as you know as it should do. So it's 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 a very strange handheld CNC machine, and yeah, it, it's and it's not cheap. It's you know for a, for a handheld machine. Um, I don't know who the customer would be for that. It's it's quite a weird yeah.
1: One. I don't know either. But I mean, if you're trying to process like a full you know four foot by eight foot sheet of of MDF or plywood or something, and you need like a kind oh. of a complex shape, then you know maybe it makes sense. It's it's a really interesting concept.
0: Sign makers, maybe, making a big sign, you know? And you don't have you know that size bed on it. Like, yeah. And like a normal CNC, but that, could, that could work well. But yeah, very strange one. I'm sure we'll come across lots of, lots of strange CNC machines um, over the coming weeks or two. Oh,
1: I love it. The weirder, the better. S- send them in. Like, if you find yeah. something super weird, let us know.
0: <laughs> and, and with regards to letting us know about things, um, we've already mentioned we had a review on the show. Um, if you listen to the show and you enjoy it, um, the best thing you can do for us to help us out is actually to give us a review on whatever platform it is that you listen to. So whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Pod, whatever it is, a review really helps us get discovered by more people. So um, the funnier the better. We find too funny reviews are always good. Um, yeah, hopefully they're not. Review... Hopefully they're not all Mike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Mike under a different different name each yeah. week. Um, but yeah reviews are good um unless they're bad reviews and if that's the case just don't listen to us it's fine we're happy with that we're we're good
1: write it on a letter and send it to santa
0: yeah <laughs> so we, we've talked about machines um you i've noticed this week uh, are now running two machines in tandem tell us about that
1: oh yeah it's it's honestly a little overwhelming <laughs> i like um <laughs> just trying to keep up with them at this point so yeah for the first time ever i've been running both of my cnc mills machining blades um just because i'm i'm pushing super hard at the moment to try and get caught up by the end of the year and um yeah it's been amazing it's been fantastic it's just as i said it's it's overwhelming because i ha- I have to do the rest of the process by hand on these blades after they come off and i'm like oh jesus christ there's so many
0: well, what do you have left what are you doing manually at the end
1: um hand sanding all the final finishing uh like you know, checking all of the parts. Um, then they go into tumbling and then I have to sandblast them by hand. Um, so it's really the hand sanding that's, that's uh, well, I say that. I also hate the sandblasting. But, <laughs> Which um, is
0: why you're making that machine.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, lo- <laughs> next year, hopefully. Sandblast
0: 2000. Yeah.
1: It's going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> next year, hopefully I'll have, you know, my goal is to try and clear some space. You know, I'm trying to make some space in my my time my life at the moment so that mm-hmm. next year i can push a lot harder on automation um and you know making that cnc sandblasting machine is going to be one of the, the big ones for sure
0: yeah you're gonna have to get one of those big robot arms next to just take things out of machine uh, to go into the next one and do all that for you
1: dude i found one on kijiji a while <laughs> ago um this guy was selling a, a six axis kawasaki robot arm and it was like a cute little baby sized one it was only yeah. um about two feet high, um, and oh, it was like four grand. <laughs> I I I was like I was wasn't in the best spot financially at that time, and I was I was trying to justify in my head. I was like, no, no, I totally need uh, a CNC, like a robot arm, right? I didn't end up buying it, unfortunately, but <sighs> yeah,
0: it'd be so much fun. So oh, much seriously,
1: fun. <laughs> they're so dangerous, though like oh, i can imagine yeah. yeah yeah like so there are newer types that are called collaborative robots that are designed to detect when they hit something and then stop yeah. you know so you can safely work around them without a cage or anything but yeah. the the old style ones like what this was like they'll you know if they're holding like a knife and they're turning around and you're in the way they, they're not gonna stop
0: <laughs> particularly with knives as well yeah it's probably not the best thing yeah way. yeah we'll a mad flailing robot
1: covered in <laughs> knives it's not a great not a great thing
0: <laughs> but I mean what what you've just said there of sort of clearing the decks uh ready for new year to almost start afresh. Um I'm I'm quite full, I'm in that position at the moment. So mm. um I've worked on a number of sort of bigger batches um this year and they they've all now shipped. That's fantastic. Um, so m- my focus now is back to design really um to, to design a, a new batch for the new year. Nice. Um and I think I'm going to do things slightly different. So whereas I'd bef- I'd normally uh, make a few prototypes um and you know take photos of these and all the rest of it then put them up for sort of pre-sale right. then for the next couple of months I'll be working on them then ship them out um I gonna do it with with less stress this time so i'm gonna I'm going to prototype them make them all in sort of stealth mode if you like yep. and have a sort of a launch and say well i've got I've got eighty of these knives and you know first eighty have them yes. um I think that's the way to work going forward for me because that 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 whole thing of you know front load in the sale and then having the there's no reward at the end yeah (laughs) making everybody's knife it's funny
1: actually that's that's one of the things that i want to do next year as well um Mm. is for exactly the same reasons because it's you know when you do like a a pre-order a pre-sale you know the the money goes very quickly to rent and materials and everything and then when you're finishing the knife it it feels a little bit like you're paying money (laughs) like you're paying like the shipping and you know all that stuff It, it feels a little bit like you're paying money to make a knife
0: yeah psychologically it's all a bit weird yeah so yeah i'm at that point now where i'm uh designing a new range of knives um but i'm actually going to do two in tandem so they're going to be chef knives again Mm -hmm. back to sort of what i've always done um but they're going to be at two different price points so the point is um one will be very bit no hand sanding even um Ooh. very sort of base i mean they all function in exactly the same way um but aesthetically they look different so right. there'll be two ranges there'll be a raw range and a garnished range <laughs> um and yeah so I'm, look, I'm looking forward to that and it, it's quite fun just to be um you know trying out new things again and not having the pressure of i need to get these done and ship these out you know totally so Yeah, so I've got got what? Basically all of December to do that now. So yeah, it's quite a good place to be in at the moment.
1: All of December. That's not that much time, Craig. (sighs) A
0: a month for me is a long, long time. Yeah,
1: your time management must be very good because you you produce other podcasts. You're you're a host of another podcast. You have kids and a wife and a, a business. Like, I don't know how you do it.
0: Um, yeah, I'm. I'm very. I don't produce half as many knives as as many other makers, um, and I'm sure I, I produce you know a tiny percentage of knives compared to compared to yourself. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, but things will be changing next year, so it's nice. it's exciting.
1: Sounds great. Yeah, it's it's always a struggle dealing with with your your process, and there's a lot of like mental stuff involved in that, like we were talking about with with the pre sales versus having knives ready to go. It's mm. It's interesting how much tuning there is involved in that stuff.
0: Yeah, but I I, I find sort of marketing-wise, it's it's really weird how um, I've started doing these batches. So about a year ago, I I thought well, rather than sell one knife to one person, that's a lot of mm-hmm. admin, a lot of emails going back and forth. You know, one custom knife is 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 a lot of work. Yes. Um, aside from the making. Um, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll do these batches of maybe 50 or 80 or 100 knives um, and then put them up. And they're, they're almost like a limited edition, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's, it's a weird psychological thing with people, I think. If, if they know it's, it's, it's limited, there's, there's only 50, they really, right. really want one. Right. But if I do a – I mean, I've had a custom chef knife, which I finished probably about a month ago. It's a one-off, which is still for sale you know but the that urgency isn't there for people Which you know it's a weird sort of psychological game trying to sort of market market these knives we need to
1: change it to limited edition one of one
0: it, maybe maybe yeah um but yeah i like to do these sort of when i'm working on a batch i like to put out like teaser videos and that kind of thing and sort of whet people's appetite for right. it you know um but yeah but when you then say look i've got this i've got this one knife available it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing and they don't sell. So Might be
1: because it's pink, Craig.
0: Quite possibly. Quite possibly. <laughs> you know the knife I'm talking yeah, about.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I like it. But yeah, who knows? Maybe people don't want a pink
0: knife. Quite possibly. Um, but yeah, so I think batches are the way to do it going forward. Obviously, you know, for the for the manufacturing side of things, but also marketing-wise, it, mm. it does seem to work, work that little better, I find.
1: Yeah, absolutely and that's such an important part of it, like it's making things is is only half the battle, unfortunately,
0: mm. yeah uh, so. there is so yeah yeah, and we talk about this a lot on knife talk how and I think this applies to whatever you're making if if you've got a small shop and you're making um you need to be you know head of finance, head of accounts um the cleaner you need to make the co you need to do everything you need you need to wear a lot of hats, yeah. Um. Yeah, and I'm sure there's lots of people in the same situation. Whether you're making widgets for X, Y, Z, or you're making knives, it, it, it's going to be the same.
1: 100. percent And this year has been especially shit for all of that. Uh, like yes. it's just been crazy. And on top of all of the the regular shit from this year, I'm, I'm actually getting audited as well, which is oh, fantastic. Yeah the <laughs> the CRA they were like, oh, you've you've sold you know this much in in sales, but you've only collected you know, like 1800 bucks in sales tax.
0: Mm.
1: And um, I was like, yeah, that's because I don't sell inside Canada really. Like nearly all of my customers are outside of Canada, which means I don't collect sales tax. Yeah. And yeah. The, the guy that's auditing me from the CRA, he was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Why didn't they just ask you? And I was like, I, I don't know. And he's like, well, too bad. I've got to audit, you now."
0: Oh jeez. <laughs> and
1: so it's been eight months. Oh, I, I like. I I left him a phone call a month and a half ago, and he, I still haven't heard back. You know, I just I I have a question. Can I can I get an answer? Uh, oh, it's just yeah,
0: sucks. It's just a pressure hanging over you.
1: Oh, seriously, man. It's yeah, it's just stupid. But yeah, as a small business owner, there's just so much stuff like that.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And you know, also trying to juggle family and the rest of it. You know, it's there's there's a life outside of <laughs> of making stuff. Believe it or not.
1: Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Uh,
0: so let's go back to your 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 two machines. So you're you're <laughs> juggling the two, um, and everything that's being spat out. You've then you've got a double down on on that sort of hand finishing and stuff as well. Yeah. Are are the two machines the same? Are you running them to do the same process, or are you doing one for handles, one for blades. Uh, how 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 are you juggling them?
1: It's interesting actually. So they're doing the same thing. They're both um, machining the bevels on my knives, but one is using a newer version of uh, my fixtures, so it's actually a right. different machining process. Um, and but that was kind of an experiment. I was like, oh, I'm not sure whether this is going to work, and it's been working fantastic. And it's much simpler than my older fixtures, which is great. Hmm. Um,
0: so, so that's going to give you a way of sort of A/B testing live. Um, but you know, if it does go wrong, it doesn't mean you've you've you know you, you've lost everything because you still got one doing the you know the, your, your regular way of doing things. Yeah, hundred percent.
1: And that was always the plan for having two machines was that. Um, my original machine, Millie, um, would be my like prototyping and, and research and testing machine. And then the other machine, Vicky, um, would be my like production machine. So. Why Vicky?
0: Millie is quite obvious why it's Millie. Why Vicky?
1: Uh, so I, I had three machines (laughs) at one point and they were Vicky, Millie, and Kathy. VMC. Ah. Yeah. (laughs) But now, now Kathy has gone to another home, so it's just Millie and Vicky. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's so that's actually worked out really well. But I just realised that you know there wasn't much point having Millie sitting there doing nothing, so mm. I've I've got her set up to do um, blades. You know, so on those days when I'm I'm working doing production, both the machines can be running doing blades, which is my longest machining process. So,
0: hmm. so how many? blades could you sort of do with regards to uh bevels how many bevels could you do a day with the two running
1: with the two it's like eight eight wow. a day which is yeah oh. pretty nuts it's a slow um,
0: process still then, isn't it yeah. yeah yeah
1: yeah and that that's a, like kind of a long day it's it's like two hours a uh, blade for the the bevel machine yeah um but yeah you know the interesting thing about automation and about cnc is that um you know, to an extent, it doesn't matter if it's a bit slower. Like I, you know, so if I was just grinding a bevel by hand, I could do it in probably an hour. I'd probably be faster than that if I practiced a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but while I'm doing that, I can't do anything else.
0: Yes. Ex- yeah. So whilst the machine is is doing the, the bevels, you're free to do other stuff. Yeah.
1: And I'm doing hand sense. finishing or I'm doing assembly and, and um, packaging and shipping and, you know, have, having, and that's, the the sandblasting robot when I get that finished as well you know it's not going to be faster than doing it by hand it, yeah. it's definitely not going to be but even if it takes an hour you know which is many many times slower than it'll likely be but even if it took an hour that would still be an improvement because it's happening in parallel
0: it's freed up your time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so
1: it, it's kind of interesting to think about um, the process that way that all it has to do is be faster than your slowest process. And then you can just
0: run it in parallel, and you're you're good to go. Yeah, and it gives you time to learn new stuff too, to improve upon. Absolutely. Yes. So I've got a note here in our in our notes mm-hmm. um, about control software, mm. um, and you've listed a bunch of different control software. There's Mach three, Mach four, Linux C, Centroid, uh, Acorn, uh, G two. Uh, I haven't heard of some of these. So. Yeah, and all I, the machines I, that I have basically run Gerbil.
1: Right. So, how many of the others have you heard of?
0: Um, Mac three definitely, because that's that that ugly looking thing (laughs) that you see. (laughs) That you see Mac four. I haven't actually seen, so whether they've improved the interface on that, I don't know. Um, And yeah, I've heard of Linux CNC, never seen it in in action at all. But um, for those who don't know, explain what control software is.
1: Yeah, so the basic idea is that you take your G code um, as an input from you know, so it's going to come out of your your CAD software and then it's taking that g code and controlling the machine in real time as it goes through each line in the g code so it might be um you know doing cutting a straight line or it might be doing an arc um and the the issue with the control software is that you're having to control these motors at a very tight interval you know so you're telling the X motor to move across a thousandth of an inch and the Y motor to move across a thousandth of an inch. Mm. And they have to be told to do that at the same time to within, you know, microseconds because otherwise you'll end up with weird artifacts like uh, stair stepping or, you know, all sorts of strange things could go on if, if the timing wasn't really tight. So, yeah, I mean, that's personally, that's my biggest issue with Mac three is that it, it runs in windows. And, yeah. and Windows is what's called a, a multitasking operating system. You know, most operating systems are these days. But Windows will be happy to interrupt your, your CNC process with, would you like to update Windows? Um, or It you,
0: looks like you're doing CNC. Would you like yeah, to help with that? Cl-
1: Clippy is going to help you. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and so Windows just isn't designed to run that kind of task. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not designed, so doing something like that with really cl- tight timing requirements is called hard real-time. Um, so like Windows is not a real-time operating system. That's not what it's designed for. Right. Um, and that, that's my primary criticism of something like Mac 3. Like, as you said, the interface is a bit crazy. Um, <laughs> There's a lot going on. Yeah. yeah, and there you can actually get external modules that, that do the motion control outside of the computer. Um, so there was a thing called the smooth stepper. I'm not sure if they're still around, but, um, you know, that's kind of the way that professional grade CNC machines work is that they have a real time motion controller that's separate from the user interface. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you said that your, your machines may mainly run gerbil, gerbil, Garble, yeah, well, gerbil. How's it, how's it gerbil, pronounced?
0: Gerbil, jarbil, whatever people call it, Gerbil. <laughs> um, yeah. And I th- I think that's because I've mainly got, you know, cheap Chinese machines um, right. and, you know, it's open source and they don't have to pay any sort of licensing fees or or make rip off copies, which is which is the norm. Right. Um, and it, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's, it's the only thing I've used, really.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm super impressed with that project. Like it's it's, it's so I mean, the core of the, of the motion control in that system is, you know, an Arduino which mm-hmm. is yeah. not a very powerful microcontroller. So it's, it's amazing at what they've, they've done. I just, my primary concern is that I think there, you know, there are microcontrollers these days that are just as cheap and many, many times more powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what G2 Core is about, is that they're using an ARM microcontroller um, to do the, the motion control. So they get more space to play, basically. Like, they have a lot more grunt lot more horse a yeah, bit more overhead to play with you. yeah yeah and as you said like the i think the main reason that the like chinese machines are using gerbil is because um you know the so the the 80 mega 328p which is the microprocessor mm-hmm. that the arduino is based on is a dollar you know or you can get like a chinese clone of it that's 50 cents or something yeah know? so for them it just keeps the cost very very low
0: Crazy. I mean, my first sort of foray into moving things about sort of CNC, I suppose, was, mm-hmm. was way back in in like primary school, being oh, wow. seven or eight, and they brought in these. Um, I don't know if you had them in the States. BBC BBC used to make these computers.
1: Yeah, you're, they, the turtle? Is this what you're...
0: The turtle, yeah. exactly. So w- trying to explain to my wife what um, like G-code is, I said, well, it's a series of commands um, which would generally have coordinates and maybe have speeds, that kind of thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, did you use the turtle in school? And she's like, what do you mean? <laughs> I was like, you know, we had this this BBC, um, I think they're BBC Acorns, Mm -hmm. massive massive like big wide beige uh computers all all built into the into the keyboard and you'd have this this really massive crt monitor with it as well um but basically we'd put a pen in this turtle you'd put on the floor and it was like a little plotter i suppose you'd put this pen in and you'd say you know forward three and you'd go forward three one two um, turn 90 degrees right. So it was this series of commands that you'd get to do things. And, and I remember those things like the big tracks then as well, you know, when you talk about toys. I don't know if you ever had one of those big tracks, no. which is exactly the same sort of thing. You'd give it a series of commands, forward three, right two, forward three, and hope it would get to where it, where it is. So, so that was my sort of interpretation of, of what yeah. G-code is and control software to my wife.
1: Um that's totally accurate and I yeah those turtle things are awesome like I would love to have one now It'd be so much fun
0: Yeah yeah I mean I, I I'm quite I've got a bunch of really old computers here mm. um that that I've had since you know since I was little um and I've got a BBC acorn but I I don't have a have a turtle so I'll have to look on eBay if there's any around
1: probably worth a mint But yeah, yeah like I sure. I think it's a bit of a shame that kids these days kids these days <laughs> um you can tell I've grown a beard and gotten old um you know that they they miss out on on that kind of stuff because there is there are things like that floating around now but they they tend to be much more complicated a bit less approachable
0: yeah well I, I have to say uh, I don't know about here in France but in the UK um Kids are learning this kind of stuff, um, and again, mainly by the BBC. So the BBC put out these these programs out there, uh, not TV programs, but you know, educational programs mm-hmm. that 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 they they offer to schools for free. Um, and yeah, kids really are getting into it and using things like Scratch um and you know on raspberry pies and right. things like that so kids are sort of getting into it in the uk um and, and it is part of the sort of curriculum for them now which which i think is quite important yeah totally but uh, you know things without you know sounding like two old men here yeah. things have just changed so much i remember get off about, my lawn craig yeah <laughs> i remember it must have been about three years ago um and so raspberry pies are uh for those who don't know they're they're basically, little computers. They're fucking amazing, them. is what they are. They are amazing. So, I mean, we've already talked about Arduino's. There's the differences for those who don't know. Uh, an Arduino is a microprocessor, um, which will just do that one continued task. Whereas a Raspberry Pi is is a full is a full computer, and you can you know connect it to a monitor and have an operating system that you can see visually and all the rest of it. They're really cool. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's about two or three years ago. I'm I'm just in the the newsagents looking through magazines and there's this magazine and it was like 4 pounds and it had a, a raspberry pi like attached to it Oh to that's the magazine super cool. it was like free and i'm like this has this raspberry pi which is free with the magazine has far more power than you know the first computers that i had as a kid yep. that cost like hundreds of pounds yep it's just crazy how accessible things are it's it's yeah yeah. Absolutely mental.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it's a bit of a shame that there aren't so like the Raspberry Pi is in my mind like the perfect user interface computer for a CNC machine. Hmm. Um, yes, yeah. and there is one uh, CNC control that I know of that uses it, which is called Clipper, and that's mainly focused on three D printing. Um, and that's actually really a really clever system. So what it does is it takes your G code and ahead of time it works out all of the moves that it's going to have to do to execute your program. And then it streams those moves as really, really simple commands to an Arduino. So the Arduino can execute them in real time, but right. the Arduino doesn't have to do all of the heavy lifting of working out what to do. It's just like gotcha. a a dumb unit. And, and that kind of split of responsibilities makes a ton of sense. And they did it with uh, a Raspberry Pi and an Arduino, like really, really mm. inexpensive off the shelf stuff. So, yeah, big shout out to Clipper, which is another open source project. I think that's a really, really good approach.
0: Is that Clippo, Did you say
1: Clipper? Clipper. Clipper. So yeah, k- with, and spelled with a K, I believe. Gotcha. Um, okay. So, are you thinking about upgrading from from Goebbels at some point, or have you been overall happy with it?
0: Um, it's it's all I know, so I don't right. know the benefits of using anything else. I suppose. Right. Hmm. Yeah. I mean. The thing with with Goobal is is everything's going to be sort of software based, I suppose, with regards to having some uh, visual feedback. Whereas I know with uh, with you know with Mac three, for example, that that mm-hmm. visual feedback is part of Mac three, isn't it? You know, you've got the yeah. UI there, which is all part of it. With Goebbels you need, that's literally just the not the language, I suppose, but it's it's. The system you many like candle would use Gerbil as an example, or you, you you could choose your skin of Gerbil if you like. Right. Um, and it's all I know. It's it's what I've used, and it and it it, it works. You know, for for my basic needs. But I don't know the advantage of then maybe using Mark Three or Mark Four. I don't know what those advantages would be. Right.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. You mentioned the visual feedback because neither of my machine CNC machines have any sort of visual feedback at all. Wow um they're just like a text screen, and yeah. honestly so you know i've le- I've used mark three, Linux CNC, and Acorn. Um, I haven't used Acorn on a real machine, but it's I've kind of tested it out and um, you know even coming from that background of of you know expecting visual feedback, I honestly haven't missed it.
0: So you'd run simulations, I assume. In in your case, uh, Fusion three hundred and sixty. That's correct. So yeah. You'd run toolpath path simulations and see how things would go. But w- w- once it's running, that's it. You're, you're running blind.
1: Yeah, yeah, and wow. you know it'll tell you. Um, so it shows you like a distance to go when when you hit feed hold. It'll say, "Oh, I'm going to move you know one inch in the x negative direction as my my mm-hmm. next thing." Um, but yeah, you know, the first time you run it, you run it slow, and I mean. You're gonna do that anyway mm. i assume oh um, yeah yeah well, yeah <laughs> full speed um <laughs> yeah and honestly it really hasn't been an issue um so yeah I, like it's i think it's so nice to have but not mm. not strictly necessary
0: yeah 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 i i can't see why i'd need anything other than than Google for, for you know for the basic stuff right. that i'm doing at the moment but um but who knows who knows yeah so so what's next? So this week you've got your, your two CNCs up and running. Um yep. what's what's the next sort of um task?
1: Just uh getting blades ready for DLC coating. So yeah, lots of lots of hand finishing, lots of sandblasting, lots of um holding my aching elbows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just the grind this week. Then that's fine, you just gotta get shit done.
0: Yeah, have you seen? So, um, for those who aren't knife makers, um, the reason why knife makers always complain about hand sanding um, is the machine finish. You're never going to have, you know, a nice satin finish. Or, I mean, I mean, for your case where you're coating with, um, is it, it's not cerakote. You're you using again DLC. Yes. Um, what sort of finish do you need before that applied?
1: Very, very tight, because the DLC yes. is like really, really thin. It's only like a micron thick so right it doesn't hide anything and in fact because you have a very even color it can actually show up issues
0: mm. um all ah, right okay
1: so yeah it has to be like looking perfect before it goes to dlc
0: yeah wow so bit um yeah sorry i was just mentioning about um those who aren't knife makers um so yeah we, we generally hand finish blades um and if it's not being coated in any way um we it's it's a bit of a thing, I suppose. Aesthetically, mm-hmm. it makes a difference, but um, other than that, it really doesn't. um But you'd like to have those sort of hand sand marks running down the blade, as opposed to perpendicular with a cutting edge. Yes, that makes sense. They have to be perfectly
1: um, parallel and dead straight, and yeah, it's
0: quite demanding. Exactly, and if there was a machine that could do that, I'm sure everybody would buy one. Um, but it's, you know, but you have things like plunge lines and things like that on knives, obviously. So that just makes it really difficult to, to, to machine those in or have like a buffing wheel that could, that could do that for you. But, um, that would be the dream. <laughs> no more hand sanded. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, this, uh, so like one of the things I want to talk about in this show is like stupid shit that isn't automated, but should be. <laughs> um, and I think that there's, there's kind of an opportunity there. Like I, I saw, um, a while back, uh, I think it was a Russian guy, had a, a hand sanding machine. And so basically like the knife is sitting on a little platform and then the platform is sitting on a thing that that moves back and forth. And and it was quite violent because it's not <laughs> balanced. And it, it's, so it's this unbalanced knife, knife-wielding robot that shakes back and forth, you know, a hundred times a minute. And then you hold your sandpaper up against it as it moves underneath you.
0: Wow, so, so like a sawzall, you could make one from a sawzall, just scrap oh, your plate.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds safe. Um, yeah, but I mean, if if you did a version of that where there was a counterbalance going in the opposite direction, so that it wasn't shaking around like crazy, then yeah, like something like that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, and they do have the opposite as well. So, um, I, I don't. So a lot of the stuff that I've kind of learned in the last couple of years has actually been from the guys that do injection molds. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for an injection mold, you might have a piece of steel that's like, you know, 12 inches by 12 inches that's 60 Rockwell and has to be hand finished to a, a mirror. Mm. You know, it, the, 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 the stuff that they have to do is pretty crazy. Um, yeah. And one of the tools that they use is actually these little handheld um, like oscillating machines that you mount a mold finishing stone in. And then it actually it it has like an ultrasonic actuator that moves the stone you know half a millimeter 10,000 times a second Wow um, and just you can just kind of scrub it around and it's like a little tiny orbital sander or something you know?
0: yeah wow well uh, where I get my um, my my blades I, I get the the profiles cut out like the shape mm-hmm and they need be water jet or laser cut out. And again, we talked about the last week how you know outsourcing the the donkey work, if you like. Um Such a good But good that's in a that's in a place called uh, Thiers, which is here in France, it's almost like the the capital of knife making in France. It's where mm. the the laguiole uh, knives are made and this Thiers has this 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 the shape that's regarded as sort of a classic French shape. Right. But it's a really strange little town. So that it's it's a town where 80% of the people within the town work in the knife-making industry. They have huge factories there, oh. and it's tiny. It's a tiny little place, but it's just built around, around knife-making.
1: Sounds like I need and, to go there on holiday.
0: Well, they have a big festival every year called Coutelier, <laughs> and it, 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 it's like Blade Show, right. um, but it's a European version, I suppose. And um, the whole village opens up, all the factories open up, and people go and visit, and you can, you can exhibit your knives there and all. It, it, it's a really nice weekend because it's always roasting hot you know it's the middle of the summer so it, it is a lovely place and it's
1: in france but, so there's probably great food everywhere and... uh
0: no <laughs> it's I'm a bit of a myth. i'll be honest with showing you. my bias I, I i think that the french um food they're still living on the glory days of maybe the mm. late 70s early 80s and not much has changed since so if you're not going for, for the classics which you soon get bored off if you live here um right. th- yeah it's not the greatest
1: oh no oh thanks craig
0: <laughs> but I was mentioning these factories simply because um they produce um knives for bigger manufacturers like like Versdorf knives, for example. Right. A lot of these are produced in tiers, not not in Germany as you'd imagine. Um and they outsource a lot of the work. Interesting. Um and I and I was looking around these factories, wondering how they how they finish, because there's nobody there hand finishing these knives. No. Everything is done by machine so that they're they're milling um the the bevels um just as you do but on on these huge huge industrial machines um the way they're finishing then so i've just talked about um hand sanding along the length of the blade um to get these lines um but you know if if you if if you're doing the other way which is perpendicular to the to the cutting edge if you take it down fine enough those lines will disappear so that you don't then have to go that that length way so, so the way they have the way they do this is they have these huge, huge buffing wheels. Hmm. Um, I, I'd say probably three foot in diameter. Huge, huge things. That sounds um, dangerous. Very, because, yeah, the most dangerous machine in my shop, the buffing wheel. Yeah. Um, but they have two, and they'd place them towards each other, so they're actually running almost like cogs. Right. So almost like driving each other. And then they'll have this fixture where the the blade is on and they'll they'll then put the blade through the middle of these two cogs and move in and out. Oh wow. Now, you could never do this by hand obviously because that would just rip the blade out of your hand. Oh, it depends and, how brave you down. are. Well oh yeah, or stupid. Yeah. yeah. But um so basically they, they had um a line of these different um buffing wheels uh, with different compounds on right. so they'd start rough. As as you would with sandpaper, you'd start rough and, and work your way to a finer, finer grit. Um, and this fixture would would hold maybe forty, fifty knives, and that would be on a wheel in itself. So that would turn. That would lower <laughs> one of the blades into the wheel, out. Then the next one would go in. <laughs> then once all 50, 40 or fifty done, that would then be moved to the next, um, the next bunch of wheels with it with a different rouge on them. i have
1: seven image of that um, wheel rolling down a hill chasing someone.
0: <laughs> yeah, with these forty with 50 these
1: knives. Blades. Yeah,
0: but it's just really interesting to see how they how they do that you know and it's yeah it's it's quite scary some of the machines because here in france health and safety doesn't really exist really really doesn't well we've been here i think i think four years now and when we first moved over we were were struck by just just general day-to-day stuff you could be walking down the street and see builders working on a roof of a house (laughs) You know, no safety, safety not not even a hard hat, no, no, nothing holding them onto the roof. And they're just walking around and, you know, you go into a restaurant lunchtime and, you know, it's quite a big thing in France lunch. So people will stop for, you know, two, three hours, you know, wine will be consumed and you'll see them. They'd all, all the workmen will be in the restaurant. They'd all be eating, drinking, and you walk past that same house a few hours later. And after they've had a big lunch and, and a few bottles of wine between the group of them, right. they're back up on the roof and they're, again, not strapped on in any way. Right. So, yeah, that was our first realisation that health and safety in France isn't the same as it is everywhere else. Right. Um, but going to these factories and just seeing how um, no cages around any of these machines and and you can imagine, you know, a human being caught up in these in these big buffing wheels that I talked about. You can imagine a human going yeah if you'd imagine a um like a car wash, you know how these big wheels spinning around. Oh god. But imagine those wheels with a super grippy buffing wheel that's going, you know, forty thousand RPM or whatever it may be. It's just scary, scary. So you can see why um they've got all these fixtures and mm-hmm. there's no real sort of human input with them just because it's just so damn dangerous.
1: Yeah. And it is amazing how far we've come with that stuff. Mm. I think, you know, yeah. something we should talk about in future episodes is like how machinery and automation has changed, you know, the, the life experience of the regular person.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I there would be so many examples of that as well, you know, from the mundane to, you know, the, the crazy stuff that we talked about with, you know, with rockets going up and coming back down yeah. because machines are built into these amazing tolerances
1: yeah well and it you it literally the the approach used to be like oh you have a a dangerous boring job that no one else w- wants to do get a kid to do it
0: <laughs> yeah you know in, in yeah. the 20s and and you know
1: 1910 1920 or earlier that that was that was the go to you know like yeah oh, you need yeah. like some someone inside the hull of a ship to hold the the inside of the rivet while someone else wails on it send a kid in
0: there Oh Jesus. You know? I've got daughters who just turned two this weekend. Oh, they're old enough. Them doing, sent... them doing anything dangerous just it makes me sweat.
1: Right. Yeah, well imagine sending your, your eight year old, you know, off to the shipyard. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah, it's 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 amazing, you know, that we've we've yeah. come so far and, and still so many amazing things to go. Yeah, we're we're going to fucking space now, Craig.
0: Yeah, I know. And I... my my, ki- my kids will probably go into space. That that's quite crazy to think. You know, they'll probably have the opportunity to, whereas I probably never will have. The rate things are going with maybe commercial space travel, it could be quite normal for them. You know,
1: uh, I'm going to space, Craig. Uh, you are going, 100%. right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've told my girlfriend that um, if I die, I'm supposed to be shot into the sun. <laughs> so even if I have to go there as a head in a jar or something, I'm I'm going to space. You're going, yeah.
0: Fair enough. 100%. Fair enough. But talking about the sort of dangers in the past of, you know, when they were, you know, using machinery to do things, that does remind me about back in Thiers. Um So as, in this knife-making village, they've got they've got a big um, museum of, you know, knife-making through the ages. And um, they, they've got these, you know, ex- exhibitions, I suppose, so you can see how they did things. And there's this <laughs> – there's a picture there. And there's a line that probably about fifty meters, and there's all these these men just lying on the floor. And you're like, well, why are all these oh, men God. lying? Are they dead? What's going on? And um, when you get close to the picture, you can see that each one of them is working next to a, um, a, a revolving stone wheel. Um, and each of these uh-huh. probably about but probably about four foot in diameter. You know, just over a meter in diameter. And
1: they're like coming up through the floor.
0: They're coming up through the floor and and these these men are literally just lying down then and they're um they're doing bevels of blades. Yeah. Next to these massive rolling stones. And there's pictures then of, you know, some of these stones cracking and then just rolling onto the men. And oh it's, it's just horrific, you know, again, there's yeah. just no health and safety. Yeah, and probably and, like um, no
1: safety glasses, no, no respirator. Exact,
0: respirator yeah. yeah, you can imagine all, the, all that dust and crap everywhere. Yeah. But um, each of these men had um, a dog lying on them, which is why at first I thought, are they dead? What's going on? And um, they were issued with a dog when they started work for the day. Um, simply because it was so cold in the warehouses where they do these, they'd have a dog lying on them to try and keep them warm. <laughs> What's wrong with a blanket?
1: Why does it have to be a dog?
0: <laughs> a dog. Yeah, this is amazing. I'll see if I can find that. There's there's bound to be. You're a making of this, this Online, I, I'm telling you, I have zero faith a... in
1: you now. You're just lying.
0: I shall try and find a picture online and post it up in the show notes. But um, that sounds yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, imagine being so cold that issue with a dog to lay on top of you to try and keep you warm, and you're you're trying to do bevels on a knife with this revolving stone that could flatten you at any point.
1: Does the dog have a smaller Not... dog lying on top of it?
0: <laughs> yeah, like Russian dolls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's this little teacup terrier right on the very top. It's yeah. crazy.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I I don't know if you've ever seen like um, I forget which factory tour it was. I love watching factory tour videos, mm. and it was like a or something like that and they had a six axis robot arm inside a big steel cage and yes. in there there was um, a couple of really big belt grinders and like a buffing wheel and it, it you know the the arm would would pick up a blade out of a, a rack that w- had no bevels or anything and mm. chuck it on one grinding wheel to do one side and then the other grinding wheel to do the other side and then onto the buffer and then it would put a finished knife on the side and it, it, yeah
0: it's just amazing um yeah it is yeah when you think some people still do i, mean, I just mentioned the you know the big stone wheel mm-hmm. um there's still plenty of people making knives that way still um you know the, the whole thing of you know forging a knife that's that's not required anymore there's there's far better i wouldn't say better because <laughs> of anger, a lot of people <laughs> yeah but i do mean better <laughs> better ways of doing things
1: yes yeah yeah and i mean there's definitely a lot of romanticism about the past you know, like, all yeah, oh, things were, were better back then for, yeah. you know, but I think the people that are saying that didn't have to send their kids off to the cannery.
0: <laughs> exactly, um, yeah.
1: You know, yeah. go down to the shipyards, Timmy, and go go make us some money. Like, uh, yeah, I, I really do think that, that things have gotten better for the most part, hopefully, and will continue yeah. to. I mean, we have rockets yeah. that land themselves
0: now, Craig. Exactly, exactly. It can't be so, all bad Things are looking up for the future. <laughs> I think that's a show. I think um, we've covered everything on our show notes for the week.
1: And and um, we got into the weeds a bit, but that's all right.
0: Yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah. That's what it's all about. So if anybody has any questions or maybe topic suggestions, things we should be talking about, let us know on our Instagram. So um, Aaron's is Aaron, Aaron Customs, Aaron Goff Customs. No,
1: not even close.
0: Just Aaron Goff?
1: Uh, yeah, it's just Aaron.Goff. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so blow me up if you think we're full of shit. Give, give let us know if you think we're amazing. Yeah, let us know. Too. Tell everyone. Let us know.
0: <laughs> but yeah, reviews really help. We are now, as I say, streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, all all the all the platforms. We're everywhere. Um, give us some reviews. Let us know how we're going. And um, yeah, if there's anything in particular you'd like us to talk about or um, you'd like to mock my lack of knowledge in any sort of subject, please let us know.
1: Or you want to mock me because I'm talking about something like I know what I'm on about and I don't. That's good. I, lo- I love learning new stuff. So if you if you hear me make a mistake, just tell me. That's fine.
0: Yeah, we, we appreciate that, yeah. definitely. So that's it. We shall speak to you again next Wednesday.
1: Have a great speak week, guys. You soon.
0: If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.